Hello, 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 and welcome, everybody. It's Dr. Barry here. I'm back again for another exciting episode of the Health and Wellness Connection podcast. Thank you for listening to us again today for what I hope to be is another exciting episode for you and anyone else who's listening. Before we get started with today's show, let's have a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Dr. Barry here, guys. Have you ever had any questions or concerns you maybe wanted Dr. Barry to address on the Health and Wellness Connection podcast show? Well, I'm here for you. Send me an email. Check me out at Dr. Barry Health. That's D R B A R R Y Health at gmail.com. Also, if you have any questions regarding Dr. Barry or his ideas or maybe a previous show you missed and you want to check it out, we have a SoundCloud page with our shows and where they're being posted. It's www.soundcloud.com backslash hwconnection. All one word. Again, that's www.com. I mean, www.soundcloud.com backslash h W Connection. That's H W C O N N E C T I O N. Lastly, if you have any other questions or you want to just give me a quick shout out, I'm on Instagram pretty regularly. And my Instagram handle is at Dr. Barry MD. Alright, guys, thanks for joining us today on the Health of West Connection Podcast. We're talking about a pretty interesting topic. And it's about viral misinformation. Um, one thing that's uh, quite common on the internet now is the concept of a topic or a video going viral. I'm sure it's not surprising when you see a video that pops up on your Facebook and then you see it again on Instagram and you see it again on the social media network or being texted to you. And This is kind of the whole concept of viral spreading of information. Now normally you see a lot of cat videos or some fight video or some other form of virality or ignorance unfortunately, that spreads quite quickly. I mean, millions upon millions of people seeing such an image or a video can be very powerful and actually one of the most effective ways to spread information. Now, unfortunately, um, this information or this effect can be used in areas that can be harmful to some people or most people for that matter. The current concern, at least I have, is when it comes to medical misinformation. Now, for a variety of reasons, uh, people are seeking health information more and more on the Internet. It's believed that up to 80% of folks who are actually uh, on the Internet have at one time looked for some sort of medical information, be it help with a diagnosis, understanding it more, or even trying to diagnose themselves. Now, as an ER doctor, I um, unfortunately um, treat a lot of people who come to the ER after reading some... some uh, online article where they've pretty much scared themselves thinking they have a deadly illness simply because they were reading too aggressively and read something that they were convincing themselves they had when in fact thorough evaluation revealed that they were perfectly fine. And unfortunately this is something we're seeing a lot these days where people, you know, see a, a different piece of information and maybe it's something they, they're trying to do like, um, Watch this video for an easy way to cure yourself of cancer or an easy way to lose 10 pounds in one day. Like, you know, people read these or they'll see these videos and because the title catches their eye, they'll click on it and try to watch and see if they can understand or potentially follow the advice being given. Now, unfortunately, this advice has about the same effect as if some random person walked up to you on the street and just started telling you things you should be doing with your health and wellness and, and life for that matter. But for some reason, when produced in a certain way and presented in a certain way, 
information can be very, very convincing despite the lack of substance or veracity of the information being provided. So overall, because of this ease of spread of information, before actually it used to be a situation where any kind of very, very sophisticated or classified information like health advice or whatnot, you really had to be fairly um, well, um, fairly well, uh, kind of had to be authorized to really give the information like you actually had to have sort of credentials. You couldn't just yell, you know, on the side of the corner and start screeching about the virtuous benefits of some ointment or salve you're selling. Because a lot of times people would do that and sell fake items. The whole concept of the snake oil salesman um, comes to mind because that literally was what was going on before the advent of some of our health regulatory bodies that we have today. People would literally go on buses or go to different festivals where people would be gathered and literally start screeching about the miraculous health benefits of some snake oil that they literally just you know, procured from some sort of shit, um, shady source and started to push its panacea-like health benefits onto the masses. Now, of course, some people would be captivated by the charisma of the seller, and that's really what it is about at the end of the day. Does the person giving you the information capture your concept of what someone who is full of integrity and appears to be legitimate look like? And that's kind of what a lot of these people bark on. They'll have the correct persona, the correct voice, the correct message, wording will be on point. And they'll use that to convince and cajole people into believing their claims without any kind of true scientific evidence or backing. And so back to snake oil salesmen. Snake oil salesmen literally went around the country and made a lot of money convincing people that snake oil was such a valuable and a healthy concern that you could use it for anything. And people would buy them and use them. And by the time they found out they didn't work, the salesman would be long gone in another city, pushing his wares or his or her wares on another unsuspecting crowd of people. So that being said, people became very wary of kind of people who were just making outrageous claims without any kind of evidence. And of course, if they're trying to make money, that even further raised people's suspicions. And because of this, people got very wary and they stopped really patronizing such individuals. I think coupled with the rise of the medical regulatory bodies like licensing boards and board of medicine, people began began to have to require and demand actually credentials from anyone that they started, you know, trying to obtain medical advice from. Now, fast forward to today, the social media generation, anyone can literally be in the corner of their house and start making videos or podcasts, you know, pro- proclaiming things and just kind of stating things that may or may not be accurate and based on the charisma of the uh, presenter or whatever whatever other um, imagery that may be more convincing people sometimes take up to it this has happened a variety of times and let's go over a few of those now one of the things that actually kind of led me to do this show was a recent article I came across regarding how vaccinations have literally been under attack from most of the, uh, or a lot of the people on the uh, viral internet community, or <laughs> if there is such a, uh, the, there is such a community, there's been a, a big concern about how vaccines are being kind of trashed, if you will, on the internet. Now, I'm, I'll be the first one to say that vaccines definitely have issues, and there are some things that haven't been fully elucidated 
in the vaccines as far as some of the contents within the vaccines and the fact that the people who make the vaccines are essentially indemnified from being pursued in the legal court of law. And this is mainly in America, mind you. Meaning that if a vaccine was to cause you harm and that was proven, according to the current U.S. law, it's not allowed to file a claim against a vaccine maker. Now, that's, that, of course, will make many people concerned and rightfully so. I mean, if you're taking a vaccine that may be dangerous and it hurts you, it's kind of unfortunate to realize that you have no legal recourse. Now, because of this, and I think for other reasons, too, many people have gotten more and more suspicious of vaccines and are worried that vaccines may be a, a way that certain nefarious or evil bodies of people can do harmful things to massive people. And of course, I'm just one individual. I, I don't have all the answers. But what I do know is that vaccines have an excellent reputation in wiping out illnesses that used to be extremely commonplace not too long ago. For instance, the yellow fever vaccine, which was invented in the 1950s by a scientist, Mr. Max Dealer, actually, um, it became something that was used very regularly in Brazil because yellow fever is very endemic in that region. Yellow fever was particularly dangerous because it's one of these illnesses that's known as a hemorrhagic fever type virus because it attacks the liver and causes severe jaundice and internal hemorrhaging and can be quite deadly. Now, after the advent of this vaccine, Brazil, where yellow fever is endemic, essentially made it mandatory for all of its citizens to receive the vaccine. This actually led to yellow fever pretty much being extremely rare in illness currently. Now, due to some recent posts on various social media platforms, including WhatsApp and Facebook, apparently there's been a rise in people refusing the yellow fever vaccine because of the concerns regarding some of the additives, particularly mercury. And that's something that's actually been quite commonly um, complained about in various vaccines, including the flu vaccine and others. And of course, mercury is still unclear as far as its long-term effects. We do know that mercury is something that has been used for many years in treatments of some ailments and illnesses and other medical issues or using other medical medications. But we do know is that yellow fever can be extremely dangerous, so it's limiting its spread is critical to help promote public health. But because of some potentially misguided fears behind some of the additives, people are outright refusing the vaccine, leading to a recent resurgence in the yellow fever uh, disease in Brazil. It's believed that you know, 2,000 people um, infected uh, were infected with yellow fever in 2016 and over 500 people died. This is believed to just be due to simply people refusing the vaccine. Similar things are being discovered with the flu vaccine here in America. <clears throat> we'll go more into detail after the break, but Stay tuned, guys. After the break, we're going to talk more about some of the viral misinformation episodes and kind of the personal story that led to my uh, making of this show. And uh, we'll get into more of the nitty gritty in a little bit. Again, it's Dr. Barry here. Join us after the break for more information. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. It's Dr. Barry here again for what I hope is another you know exciting episode for you guys for the Health and Wellness Connection podcast. Again, we're talking about viral misinformation and 
kind of the concerns regarding, you know, information going viral and potentially information being inaccurate and influencing people in a potentially harmful way. And it's been a concern, actually. There's a lot of articles coming out regarding this phenomenon, and uh, it's something that people are starting to pay closer attention to. I think if we look at, like I said, the recent issues regarding the vaccine misinformation campaign, it gets kind of concerning. And uh, we talked about why, you know, there's some legitimate reasons to be concerned about vaccines. However, I think the history speaks for itself regarding the benefits of vaccinations and how it's helped reduce large numbers of illnesses that are rare today that used to be quite commonplace. Now, we were talking briefly about the flu, which is one of those vaccines that has a lot of controversy because the flu vaccine is something that's pushed pretty much every year as something you should be getting yearly. And there's some concern regarding the flu vaccine and some of the issues within the vaccine. And because of that, people have put out information regarding the flu vaccine and some of which may not be accurate. There was actually a recent uh, study that was done by Johns Hopkins University, which looked at how something as believed to be as innocent as vaccinations, especially in regards to the flu, was turned actually into a a what we call a weaponized health communication because it was found out that it was a bunch of Russian operatives, aka trolls, who were actually flooding social media with misinformation regarding vaccines, <clears throat> both pro and against. And that's what's crazy about how some of these things work. We never really know the true uh, mindset or the true um, goals of those who are promoting some of these concepts. Some people actually are trying to put fear in the hearts of folks so they can avoid a certain thing. Some others may be actually putting a certain other type of information to promote another concept. This time, it was believed that this was potentially done by various Russian operatives to actually just get people to go online and waste time arguing, not necessarily doing anything productive. Um, and it was actually found out due to a recent um, study done in 2017 at Johns Hopkins where they looked at various users and their vaccine-related messages. And this was collected from 2014 to 2017. Again, it's right around the time of, <laughs> of the uh, uh, election. Um, so it's obvious that that's when the Russian trolls are really kind of amped up. For those who don't know, it's believed that during the um, elections um, in America during the uh, 2017 period, it was believed that Russian trolls essentially took over social media, promoted various messages to help promote more confusion and more online arguments, which would, I guess, was believed to help influence people to do certain things or act a certain way. It was believed that vaccines were part of some of the misinformation campaigns that were promoted out there. One of the big um, things that were put out there regarding vaccines was the concept of mercury and the dangers of it causing potential issues like autism. This actually was something that was believed to be have been a result of a additive known as thimerosal, which is a form of mercury that's used as a preservative in a lot of vaccines. <clears throat> There was some concern that this thimerosal was potentially one of the causative agents of autism. Now, it wasn't proven, and it's actually been disproven, actually, definitively, but as a precaution, this agent was removed from many of the vaccine preservatives by most of the um, vaccine makers, especially the childhood vaccines. Um, now, despite this being removed from most of these vaccines, 
autism rates were still increasing. So autism, while it's still unclear what's causing it, there's really no evidence that vaccines are the cause. So I think people should be very careful as far as, you know, what they're believing and how they're using, you know, various online informations to influence their medical decisions. Because some of these can have real, real negative consequences. Now, again, as an ER doctor, I've seen many people come to the ER complaining of flu. And this year has been pretty bad flu season, actually. And one thing I'm noticing is that a lot of people are not getting the flu shot in the levels and numbers that they were. Now, the good news is that the flu is illness that most people with a competent immune system can clear on their own. So it's not really critical the flu shot be given. But certain vulnerable populations like healthcare workers, children, the elderly, those with immunocompromised medical problems are a particular risk. And those people should be getting the flu shot regularly to help minimize some of the dangerous complications of the flu. The flu is one of those illnesses that you can be fine one minute. A few days later, you can be seriously, seriously ill. I'll, I'll never forget, that was one of the few viruses that I've seen um, kill a young individual who's otherwise healthy overnight. So the flu is something that you really shouldn't play with. I tell people that the flu vaccine isn't required. However, if you're someone who doesn't really like getting injections or flu shots, make sure you're doing the best possible thing to improve your health and maximize your immune system's competence, including taking your multivitamins, eating your vegetables, making sure your body is getting the proper nutrients so we can fight these infections, and drinking your water, because water is very important. If you're drinking soda, you know, doing drugs, not taking care of yourself, don't be surprised if you catch the flu on a whim. And it's also very important that if you are someone who's not in the best shape, that you give the flu vaccine and vaccines in general a stronger consideration because these vaccines have been shown to be helpful in reducing some of these illnesses and some of the potential dangers caused by some of these illnesses. Now, another thing that I want to talk about as well is the whole concept of fluoridation. Now, fluoridation is something that's also been spread all over the internet regarding, you know, its potential harm to people, including children. Um, there was one study that showed potential link between reduced IQ in children and fluoride consumption. A lot of people use this as reasoning to promote or argue for the elimination of fluoridation or water and um, reduction of fluoride use in general. Now, the fluoride use, the proponents of fluoride use say that fluoride is helpful because it can help with dental hygiene and dental health. And also, it can help reduce the bacteria in the water to reduce spread of some sort of waterborne illnesses. And those are both actually accurate. And I think that with fluoridation, um, the whole concept of fluoride potentially use, being used to sedate the population or make people stupid, while it's a potential, you know, I can see why people would think that, the reality is if there are really no definitive links between fluoride and, cause, and the dumbing down of the population. Now, I think TV does a good enough job in that regard of dumbing people down, and I doubt people are going to get their, get rid of their TVs anytime soon. So, um... You know, ultimately, I think that people need to do a good job of researching from the appropriate sources before they really decide to make a decision that could potentially affect their personal health. And personally, when it comes to fluoride, I do think uh, fluoridation is something that needs to be further evaluated just because everyone, you know, does have questions regarding it. I do think fluoride, though, is something that we should use because it can help 
prevent the spread of waterborne illnesses that, you know, can actually become a lot more prevalent if we're not treating the water system to minimize the spread of certain bacterial and viral infections. So overall, the key interesting takeaway I want you guys to understand is that all, everything you hear online may not be accurate. And again, one of the things that prompted this show for me was I actually got into a uh, online spout, if you will, with, um, a, I call it a uh, virtual clinician. I'm not even sure if this is a clinician. It's more of a uh, medical person. I'm unsure of the credentials of some of these individuals online. But one thing that was being promoted was the concept of poop being in your blood when you eat meat. Now, you can argue meat is not the best thing to be eating. And, you know, some people will say meat potentially is, is deadly for your health. And others may even say meat is potentially a huge cause of cancer. And there may be some truth to all those things. But what we know for certain is that eating meat doesn't put poop in your bloodstream. It's actually something that is very difficult to do. And if it were to happen as far as poop getting in your bloodstream, you would probably die in a few days from an overwhelming bacterial infection. And we all know that once you eat a, a, a chicken's chicken wing or a burger, you're not dying of sepsis or some sort of severe bacterial infection hours later. So... You know, it's definitely, you know, something that is not like it's being stated. Now, of course, anyone may hear this or medical professional may hear this and think, ah, that's silly. Won't pay too much attention. But then you look on the video count and there's like half a million views or, you know, <laughs> 250,000 views. And that's when I get concerned because the problem is that someone will see this video and then convince themselves. Let's say the person saying the information was very charismatic and they felt in touch and in tune with the person speaking and they've now taken to heart said information and then they come to the hospital demanding certain tests and answers after you know they've eaten let's say a burger and they're upset now that their blood is full of poop and they're distressed on how to remove it and again this is something that I've not seen this particular scenario but similar scenarios I see quite regularly and it kind of makes me a little disheartened so <clears throat> after seeing this this information spread. I said, hey, you know, this is not correct, guys. Let's go ahead and, you know, not spread the misinformation. And of course, I was attacked by said individual and his followers. So I think that, um, you know, after a back and forth, we kind of let it, you know, bygones and bygones and moved on. But the concern is that people still like to hear information from who they like to hear it from. And the veracity of the information is sometimes second as far as what's it's the second of importance, excuse me. So I just want to stress the importance of really understanding the source of whatever information you're listening to and internalizing, because t potentially if it's not accurate information, it may not be safe for your health in the long term. Again, if you want any more information regarding health and wellness and just general information regarding um, different medical elements, if you do have any questions, I consider websites like Medscape.com, Medline.com. Those are all good sites that are peer-reviewed and based on actual scientific information as far as the various medical tips and advice that are spread there. So again, if you have any concerns or questions, please, uh, for any illness for that matter, number one, see your doctor or a medical doctor or a medical professional. It could be a nurse practitioner or even a PA for that matter, depending on your location. But seeking out scientifically trained medical professionals 
it's really the best way to ensure that you're getting information that's been verified and tested and proven before you actually start doing it as a regular part of your life. In general, it's really no simple question regarding taking care of ourselves. So it's important we use good information to make good decisions. I challenge you guys, before you open that internet blog or click on that video, be sure you're taking into account the source of the information before you believe it to be true or false. Again, that's all my time for today's Dr. Barry here. Thank you for joining us today for another show regarding the health and wellness connection. Again, check us out on Instagram or check me out on Instagram at DrBarryMD. The website for the blog, www.controlyourweight.com. Facebook, www.facebook.com backslash next level weight loss. And lastly, email, old school email. Still works. Hit me up if you have any questions. Dr. Barry Health at gmail.com. Again, thanks for joining us at Health Wealth Connection. Join us next week for another exciting episode. Peace.